0: Hey, well, welcome to Real Life Church. If this is your first time joining us, super excited you're here. My name is Raul Herrera. I'm the student ministry director here at Real Life. So if you're watching this online, you're in the church with us in the chapel, wherever you are on podcast, super thankful you are here with us today celebrating how God is still working in our lives in this very moment. Before I say anything else, I want to say thank you to our lead pastor, Jim Miller, and our executive pastor, Anthony Prince, for allowing me to have this position to lead students and also to lead you this morning in something I truly believe God has put in my heart to share with all of you these, these last couple of months, actually, I'm with you today, this morning, in this moment. Something I'm really excited about and something that's been honestly really, really fun, and just thinking about it, I know I can say these things and talk about these things for the next 35 minutes, but I won't do that, is all the incredible things uh, I've gotten to be a part of here at Real Life. Uh, and so I'll mention a few of those things, but like I said, I won't get all into details. but I've gotten to drive myself and Stacey Travisana, who's our kids director, I've gotten to drive 17 hours in a van full of high school students to serve in Alamosa, Colorado. I've gotten to stay up for over 14 hours with over 70 middle schoolers and high schoolers for our up all night events, getting to be a part of our weekly small groups. So every single week, small groups gather at people's host homes, um, at Chick-fil-A, at In-N-Out, we get to dive into the word together, share in community and just grow in our faith together. So I'm super thankful and glad to get to be a part of all the things that's happening with students and all the church here at Real Life LA. So a lot had to happen in order for me to end up right here. And this past September, so last month, September of 2021, I celebrated one year with Real Life. And so a lot has happened in that past year. So last month, I celebrated a year. um, And it was actually the day after the student up all night's. And as the year was passing, and one year finally had come and gone in California, I asked myself a lot of questions, a lot of questions. And one of the questions I kept asking myself over and over and over again as I got to reflect on one year with real life was, how did I get here? How did I get here? Now, I don't mean how did you physically get here. Let's say you're at church with us this morning, and you think, well, Raul, I hit snooze about 45 times and then I made a Keurig coffee and I forgot to grab it and sat in my car for 30 minutes waiting for anybody else to come out of the house. I don't mean physically how you got here. Obviously, I had to get to California somehow. But how did I end up here? How did this happen? There's so much change that had to happen in my life that happens in our lives to get to the point we are right now. How did I get here? And so today I want to talk about together what it looks like in our lives, as Christians, as people who consider themselves Christ followers, to respond to change. See, when change happens in our life, oftentimes the first response is fear. Maybe you're thinking, well, when I think of change, I think, ooh, that's exciting. And that's how I think sometimes too. But most of the time when things are happening, when something or some things change in our lives that are out of our control, often our response is fear. So I want to look at how the Bible is calling us and how God is calling us to respond to fear and change in our life, to truly step into and believe that when things change, God stays the same, that when things change, God stays the same. So let's pray. Father, I thank you so much that you are still speaking in our lives in this very moment. God, I thank you for your word that we can look to it when we're confused, when things are changing out of our control, when something or some things are changing, and our response is fear because we don't know what to do. I thank you that we can look to you, we can pray to you, and God, that when we're faced with doubts, when we're faced with fear, we can turn to you and respond in a way that we can truly believe that when things change, God, you stay the same. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. So how did I get here? How did I end up here at Real Life celebrating one year with Real Life LA Church? A lot had to happen. And one of those things was moving to California. So most of you know this by now, but I wasn't born and raised in this beautiful state of California. I'm actually from a very, very different and very, very cold uh, state of Michigan in the Midwest. Uh, that's probably if you and I have gone out to get food or get lunch or dinner or something, you might hear me say the word pop when I order a soda. Uh, and you might get some weird looks around us. Or I've noticed, people have pointed out to me, that I say the word bag really weird. I have to, like, really try as hard as I can to say bag. I think I used to say bag, and that's because uh, Midwesterns say bag sometimes. I don't know. I've noticed a lot of things about myself, but I'm not from California. I was born and raised in Michigan. Uh, and so in November of 2019, November of 2019, Things started to change in my life. Things started to change in my life that were out of my control. So up until that point in my life, I was always serving or volunteering or a part of some kind of church ministry. In November of 2019, I was actually on staff at a church. As weird as this sounds, trust me, this is going to sound really cringy, but as weird as this sounds, as weird as this sounds, I was in a perfect position. I was dating the right person. I was on staff at a growing 2,000-person weekly church with a second campus. Um, I was gigging in Detroit, playing drums. Like I had the right friend group. I had the right girlfriend. I was the right position. Everything was, quote-unquote, perfect in my life, and I keep throwing air quotes on there because it might have looked perfect on the outside, but there was still stuff in my life, personally, that I was still dealing with. So I was in a perfect position. November 2019 happened months before things in the world changed. I decided to do something on my own. See, when I grew up, I was going to a youth group, and my senior year in that youth group, that church ministry, they decided to do a mission trip to L.A., downtown Los Angeles. And I wasn't able to go on this mission trip. Mission trips are ways for churches and nonprofits just to go out from their community and serve another community, to be the hands and feet. We call that the hands and feet of Jesus, to serve other people, to to be the light of Jesus. And I wasn't able to go. I wasn't able to go. Uh, Maybe it was financially. I don't really remember what the reason was. I wasn't able to go um, on this missions trip. Uh, So I didn't get to go. And years have passed, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. Here I was November of 2019, 24 years old, 24, 25 years old. And I was like, you know what? I never got to go on this trip. And the years keep passing, and I keep getting busier and busier, and I keep getting involved in more things. And you know what? Next year, 2020, 2020, I'm just going to go. I'm going to book an Airbnb to, to California. I, I don't know anybody there. So I found an Airbnb in Santa Monica, Santa Monica, California, and I decided to go. So the new year came around, and in February, late February, my hostess of the Airbnb canceled my reservation. And I was like, why, why would you do that? What's What's going on in California that would cause her to cancel my reservation? So I thought, hey, in a couple more months, when all this craziness blows over, and it didn't. Uh, I'll get to go. So obviously, you know that things kept changing. And for most of us in the world, pretty much everyone in the world, things kept changing that were out of our control. And I wasn't able to go. So I thought nothing of it. I was like, maybe I'll go next year. It's totally fine. Then I noticed something. I would find myself coming home from work after hanging out with friends, looking at churches and ministries and nonprofit organizations in California near Los Angeles, and I didn't know why. I was just like, this would be cool. Am I doing this just because of the emotion of flying to California and flying back and saying I got to serve there? I don't know why I was doing it. I was like, I'm not going. We'll forget about it. There's Something's happening in the world right now. This will never be a thing. Why am I even caring about this? But I kept coming back. I was on my phone. I was following uh, churches in Los Angeles. I started praying about churches in L.A., Shout out to Pastor Anthony Prince for promoting the Real Life LA website. That's one of the first ones that kept coming up over and over and over again on Google when I searched churches in Los Angeles. And I was just excited about the ministry and what God was doing here in California. Granted, and remember, I've never been before. So one night I was driving back home from youth group, and I just started to feel really scared and really anxious. And I was like, where are these emotions coming from, God? I realized that he was calling me to move to California. I realized that he was calling me to move to California, that things were changing. To say I was scared is probably the most understated statement I've ever spoken in my life. I was terrified. I physically felt sick for weeks. I couldn't sleep. My appetite was all over the place. My conversations with people felt so like out of body, like I was watching myself talk to people and I was like, I know eventually I'm going to have to tell them I will not be here anymore. I couldn't come to grips with that with myself, with my relationships. I had to resign at my church. And to add on top of all those emotions, the, the reality was I knew nobody in California. Nobody knew me. I don't have family in this side of the country. I don't have family in California. And to be honest with you, financially just wasn't in a spot to make that kind of a move. I was so scared. Things were changing. Things were changing in my life. And I'm sure most of you, maybe someone out there is thinking, yeah, I've been there. When things are changing, I get scared. See, we get scared. Often our time to change is fear because we don't know what's going to happen. I didn't know what to do because I don't know what's going to happen. I found myself multiple times laying on the floor of my room crying, sobbing, not knowing what to pray or how to think. See, up until this point in my life, this is what I thought. I'm not a, I am not allowed to feel this way. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christ follower. I'm even on staff at a church. I should not, everyone that year in 2020 was saying, faith over fear, faith over fear, faith over fear. I'm like, yes, got it, yes, faith over fear. I would tell someone about my, my fears and my anxieties or like pray about it. I'm like, didn't think about that one. Definitely should go pray about it. Obviously, I want to believe that Hebrews tells us the truth that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, that he will never leave us or forsake us. But I was still scared. I still had my fears. I still had my doubts. The reality was things were changing that were out of my control. And I couldn't negate the fact that I still felt fear. So I laid on the floor of my room, sobbing, and I said, God, I don't know what to do. I'm terrified. I want to truly believe that you will say the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, that when things change, God, you stay the same. That when things change, you stay the same. So let's look at how God is calling us Christians, Christ followers, people who believe in the truth, that when, God cha- when things change, God will never change in the Bible. So the text we're looking at is coming from the Old Testament, And it's actually coming from the book of Numbers in the Old Testament. And so we'll dive into it here in a second. But we're looking at a people, the Hebrew people, these group of people. See, the group of people we're talking about um, were very special to God, the Hebrew people. God chose intentionally to stay connected with the Hebrew people in a very special way. So these Hebrew people experienced an awful famine, an awful, awful famine. And they cried out to God. They were scared. They were fearful. Things were, things were not going well for them. Things were changing. And they cried out to God. They asked God for help, the Hebrew people, and God listened to them. God listened to them. So they escaped the famine. They went to Egypt. God allowed them to escape the famine and move to Egypt to escape this terrible famine. God answered their prayers. God answered their call of their fear and their anxieties and their, their fear of not being able to eat and people passing away this awful situation, they cried out, they recognized their fear and their changes, and God helped them and brought them into Egypt. Now, the Hebrew people stayed in Egypt for so long that they grew so large and so powerful that the Egyptians saw them as a threat. And in the brokenness of the world, the Egyptians enslaved the Hebrew people. They said, you guys are growing too big, too powerful for us. This is not a good look. This is not a good idea. We're going to enslave you. So they got brought brought out of a famine. Remember that. They they just had an awful time, these people, this generation of people in a famine, moving to Egypt, and now the Egyptians have enslaved them. So again, they cried out to God, and God sent a man named Moses to bring the Hebrew people out of enslavement in, in Egypt. And God did. God answered their prayer a second time. Not only once, but a second time. God didn't change his plans. When things were going wrong, God answered their prayer. So Moses brought them out of, of enslavement from the Egyptians. But God not only did that, God promised them something special. God said, I'm going to give you a place that you can call your own, that no longer will you and the other people in the generations in your family, these Hebrew people, will have to deal with anything ever again. I promise you that I will never change. My promise. I will never go back in my promise to never leave you or forsake you. I will be here for you. So Moses, God through Moses, brought the Egypt, brought the Hebrew people out of the out of Egypt, out of enslavement to this place that God promised them, and rightly so. We call it the Promised Land. So here's the part that gets me every single time, and I think I, it gets me every single time because I can relate, and maybe you can relate too. That God brought them out of multiple awful situations. And he kept his promise. And here they are a third time walking up to this place Moses brought them to where God said, this will be the place for you where you'll never hurt again, where the rivers will flow with milk and honey that you'll never want, you'll never thirst, you'll be always protected. I'm going to give you this place. It's the promised land. And they get here. And here's the part that gets me. They get there and they go, the Bible doesn't really say this, but they go, I don't know how I really feel about this. You know, you said you, you said you protect us and, and I get you're gone. But the last couple of times things were changing and it didn't look, didn't look too hot. And I've been there when you guys invite me over your houses to go to like a swim party or check out the pool or say, Hey, use our pool whenever you want. And it's, it's heated. Don't worry about it. I still dip my toe in to see if it's cold or not. And I, I trust you. And I dip my toe and I'm like, you're a liar. It's just freezing cold. No, I'm just kidding. But we do that. We as people, we test the waters, you know. Oh, go go in. It's totally fine. You're like, okay, I'm still. Some some crazy middle schoolers will just dive right in because they're just they're just like, whatever. If it's cold, it's cold. They had to test the waters, in the humanity, in their in their fears and their anxieties and their concerns. They said, God, uh, we, I believe in you, and you've brought me through things before, but I, I'm just not sh- I'm just not sure yet. So we pick up this encounter. The the Hebrew people send in. 13 spies into the promised land just to check it out, to see what this place is really all about, that God really promised them this place. We pick up in chapter 13, verse 27. This is the spies coming back from the promised land, giving their encounter, what they, what they witnessed to Moses. They say, we went into the land to which you have sent us to, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. So they had evidence, they had proof. Here's the fruit that you promised us, God. But, in verse 28, but the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and are very large. It was all good until they noticed things changing, until they noticed a problem. They said, everything is great. God is promising on this beautiful place. There There is milk and honey that is flowing. There is beautiful fruit for us, but things are changing. But there's people there and they're too large. The King James Version, excuse me, in verse 33, says this And there we saw giants, and we were in our own sight grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Giants, physical giants. The Bible doesn't say this part, but they're probably terrified. They were so afraid. They said, We cannot go in there, we're going to be crushed. If we go into this promised land, if we step into the promise that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, if we truly have faith in who God is calling us, things are changing, and we're probably not, it's probably not going to turn out too well. These spies just stopped. They said, hey, this, there's fear taking over. Things are changing. I'm going to stop right here. I, I can't do this anymore. I, I don't think I'm powerful enough. I'm not good enough. And that's where we get ourselves. God, we know what you say is true. God, we know what you say, the promises of, for us, the promise line you've brought us out of things before. You've been so faithful to us. But I see something, things are changing, and I don't know if I can do this. See, when you and I are faced with fear, oftentimes our response is to say, how can I figure this out? See, growing up, I thought that I wasn't allowed to be, to be fearful. I thought I wasn't allowed to doubt God. I thought that being a good Christian, being a good Christ follower was faith over fear, to forget my emotions and to not come to reality with what I was feeling. But these these spies faced the reality that even when God promised them something, they still had the reality of their fears and what they could see. So here's the thing. If all of them had the same encounter, they probably would have gone on to the promised land. But fortunately for us, and in this encounter in the Bible, two spies came back with a different response. Joshua and Caleb, they saw the same thing those other spies saw. Nothing changed with what they were looking at. Nothing changed with what was changing. But they came back with a different response. And here's the response in Numbers 14, verse 7 through 9. The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into the land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because he will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid. The Bible doesn't tell us this next part, but I bet you, I'm probably pretty sure, 99 percent sure that Joshua and Caleb were still scared. They were still scared. There was giants in there that they were compared to grasshoppers. I don't think they were like, nah, I got, I'm fearless. I'm going on in. No, they probably said, hey, I have these fears that physically probably we probably won't be able to conquer these people, but the Lord, our God, promised us? Have you not seen the promises he's brought us through twice already? So I have these fears. I have these doubts. I have my anxieties. Physically, I'm feeling ill right now, but the Lord is with us. You see, following God is not about not being afraid. It's about following him even when we are. Following God is not about not being afraid. It's about following God even when we are. When we step into that promise, when we say, when we come to reality with our fears and emotions, say, I am feeling this way. God, God, you have created me with such complex and beautiful emotions. And I'm going through a lot of right now and things are changing and, and I'm not in control. But I believe that you are with me and that you will never leave me, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. It's not about not being afraid. It's about choosing to follow God even when we are, to truly to step into every single day that, to believe that when things change, God stays the same. One of the things I get to be a part of here at Real Life is all the ministries are outside of Real Life, inside of Real Life, and one of those is uh, we've gotten invited to go to the Pomona Fairplex um, to serve. And I've gotten to preach in Spanish to groups of thousands of migrant students there. Uh, and it's been absolutely incredible. It's, uh, this past weekend was my second time ever preaching in Spanish. Um, and so obviously my English is pretty rough. So my Spanish is actually a lot rougher. So I had to practice my sermon over and over and over and over and over and over and over again in order for us, the group of people going, Pastor Jim, my girlfriend, Summer, some families and leaders here at Real Life, a small group of us would go. And I practiced my sermon over and over and over and over and over again. So I had it ready to go. And Saturday morning rolled around. And I don't do this every morning, but I decided to read my Bible, which I should do every morning. And I went to a verse in Ephesians. And it was just talking about, hey, it's no longer about works. It's about... Um, our faith and the mercy of God and the love of God. And I read that verse and I closed the Bible and I was driving to the Fairplex and I was like, dang it. I can't use the sermon. I practice probably 50 times anymore because the students there probably were scared. I didn't want to go in there and say like, Hey, God's got mercy. God's got love. Don't be afraid. No, it's okay to be afraid. Listen, You can be afraid. It's okay to have doubts. It's okay to doubt God. You are still a Christian. See, God desires to be in those moments with us. God desires to be in the moments of vulnerability where when we start asking ourselves questions, what is going to happen? God, I can't do this. I'm not sure. I know how. I can't see the other side of your promise. And God wants to be right there with us to validate, hey, it's okay to be afraid. You are a human, you are a Christ follower. There's nothing wrong with that. Showing vulnerability is one of the biggest signs of trusting who God is, saying, even in my doubts, even in my fears, God, I know you will never leave us or forsake us. Hebrews 13.5 tells us this promise that God is telling us that I will never leave you or forsake you. See, God desires for us to invite him in to those moments of fear and doubt. So many times growing up and those students in that moment, us in our life right now, adult life, think, get rid of this fear, God. I trust in you, no longer fearful. And we try to forget that God wants to be in those moments in those processes of what it looks like to truly trust him to have faith. That even when things are changing, when things look bad, to say this is okay, Usually the fear response is our body telling us, our mind telling us something isn't right. This is not okay. To truly to step into every single day to believe that when things change, God stays the same. So how did I get here? I spent months, 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 countless weeks, countless days trying to figure out what that would look like if I moved to California. How did I get here? How did I get here? So I spent months processing with pastors, processing with friends, having conversations, some of the most difficult conversations I've ever had in my entire life. And finally, I realized something. These emotions weren't going to subside. That I had to bring God into those processes. I had to invite God into those moments that things were changing, something or some things were changing in my life that were out of my control. I can only control so much and that, hey, I'm going to take what is happening in my life right now and and bring God into that. Invite him into the process of fear of change. See, I don't even know where to start. Where do I even start? How do I even begin to process these changes in my life? Maybe there's something you're going through right now. There's a change happening that's in your life or outside of your life or something or some things are changing and you think to yourself, yeah, right. well, I want to continue to believe. I want to believe that when things change, God stays the same. But it d- does not look that way right now. I did not know where to start. So there was a day I drove back home from work. And again, I couldn't have those conversations with people yet. I couldn't come to grips. The fear was holding me back. The fear was keeping me from pressing into what God was calling me into to believe that he will never change. I got home and I was praying and I loved Pastor Jim's sermon last week. Uh, about prayer, about how we can we can speak to God, how we can, God listens to us, how we can get out, we can get on our knees, and we can pray out to Him. <clears throat> and so I decided to pray again. I've been praying nonstop these last couple of months, and I was like, I'll pray another hundredth time. Let's see if something changes. And God reminded me of this encounter that Jesus had with a father and a son. As I was having an encounter myself with our Father, that we we can all have, we can all dive into, we can all call up God right now and have an encounter with him through prayer. God reminded me of this encounter that Jesus Christ had with a father. And this is the encounter I'm talking about. It comes from Mark chapter nine, verse 21 through 24. And it says, Jesus asked the boy's father. And before I keep going, this is a situation where uh, a son um, is possessed. So Jesus is, is going there to, be, to heal the son. That's the hope. That's the promise. Um, And the father's son is there. And Jesus goes up to the father's son and asks him. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It often throws him into a fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. I believe that you are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. But God, help my unbelief. God desires for us to invite him into those moments of doubt, of fear, of frustration, of anxiety, so many times, we, as Christians, we think, God, take away this pain, take away the anxiety, and he can do that. God says, cast all your cares on me. I, I love you. Cast your anxieties. I love you. I will take those pains. But God wants us to bring him into, to invite him into those moments of change, of fear. He loves us so much, and his promise will never change. His promises will never change. And I promise you, If you continue to step into that every single day, you will see that God's word is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, that he will never go back on his promise that the victory is already won through Jesus. But we have our doubts. This father said, God, yes, I know you can can heal him, but I still have my doubts. So I had to make this counterintuitive decision to trust God even when I still didn't. To trust God even when I still didn't. So I had to pray something like this. I had to pray. I had to get out of my car, crying on my knees with my head up against my seat of my car and said, Lord, I don't trust you right now. Things are changing. These giants in my life, I feel like I'm going to be crushed. But I want to believe the promise that you tell me, that you say the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Help me overcome my unbeliefs. Thank you for my fears, my concerns, and my anxieties of the the reality of the situation that I am in but I know you will stay the same. I know that you have the victory. It's won through your son, Jesus. God wants us to invite him into those moments of fear and doubt. And when we start to do that, when we start to step into that promise and come to grips with the reality of our fear and say, God, I give you this moment, I give you my fears and anxiety, we start to ask God for courage. So I wanna leave us with three steps of how we can start asking God for courage. Three practical steps to step into. When when things change, God stays the same. Step number one is this. As I was speaking, as you've heard me talk, maybe you'll think about this later, maybe you thought about it right now, asking God for courage in in the changes. Step number one is this. Identify one change. Identify one change. Change. We have to navigate thousands and thousands of things every single day, and things are changing and things are going to change, and sometimes it's one thing or sometimes it's multiple things. But identify that one change that's happening. Maybe it's a change that you have control over. Maybe it's a change that you don't have control over. Maybe it's a relationship or a daily habit you need to change or cut out for a couple of weeks, or maybe it's something at work. Maybe it's a change in your personal life, in your faith, walk with Jesus Maybe it's a change in the way you communicate with somebody else. But think about that one change that's happening right now in your life or that you want to see happen or you know that's going to happen and it's out of your control. What's that one change that's happening right now? Identify that one change. That's step number one. Step number two is identify one fear. So as you thought about that one change, like I said, there's thousands of them. But as you identify that one change, what is one fear that arose thinking about that change? Maybe it's the fear of the unknown, that when this change happens, I don't know what the outcome is going to be like. Maybe it's fear of the amount of work you're going to have to put into that relationship or situation or that person. Maybe it's a fear of doubt. I don't think I can do this. So asking, asking God for courage, step one is identify the change. Step two is identify one fear that arose from that that made you stop and go, I don't think I can do this. I don't know if God can really hold on to his promise that he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And step number three, which is probably the most important step out of everything I've said today, is invite God in. Step one is identify the change. Step two is identify one fear or the fear that arose. And step three is invite God in. When we are faced with our modern-day giants, this is our moment to have our Joshua and Caleb moment to say, hey, we know what it looks like, but God, I want to bring you into that, and I want to hold on to the truth and the promise that you are with us, that we are conquerors through your son, Jesus. What would it look like in our life if we truly were vulnerable and honest and said, hey, these fears are real, but God, I believe, but help my unbeliefs. These changes in my life, whether they're out of my control or in my control, I give them to you. These fears and concerns of my life, I give them to you. God desires for us to invite him into those moments. So again, one, identify the change. Two, identify one fear. And three, which is the most important part, invite God in. He cares for us and he wants to be with us every step of the way. So let's pray. God, thank you so much that you desire to be with us every step of the way in our faith walk with your son, Jesus. God, I thank you that we recognize our fears and our anxieties and our hurts and our pains. We don't try to fake them or mask them, God, but we give them over to you. God, we humble our hearts and say, Lord, we believe in your truth, but Lord, I still have my doubts. I still have my fears. God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that you are working in our lives that we can pray to you. We can go on our knees in our rooms and our cars. And as we're driving at work, we can step aside and say, Lord, things are happening in my life. And Lord, be there with me in this moment. God, I thank you for your love that it's no longer through our works, through our prayers, but it's through your mercy and love that we have salvation through your son, Jesus. And we don't do these things to be saved. We do these things because we are saved. I thank you for your promise, and I thank you that even when things change, God, you stay the same. We pray this in your son's Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Now, will you help us welcome others to real life? Share our podcast or find us on Facebook or Instagram at Real Life LA. If you'd like to become a supporter, please visit reallife.la and tap give to help us welcome everyone to real life. God bless and have a wonderful day.